Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, the inspiration behind our first hour, which dominated the text board, we're talking about the player who was synonymous with something. They didn't need to be the absolute megastar of a team, but if you mention one little uh, department in any sport, they were iconic with it. Well, this guy was iconic fielder. You'd never take him on for two. He's probably the best fielder I've ever seen. And I've got to say this, ladies and gentlemen, he's part of the SEN cricket commentary team. Proteus legend, Jonty Rhodes. Welcome to the run home. Hello, mate. Good afternoon, fellas. How are you doing? Jonty, I can't believe I'm speaking to you in person. 52 tests, 245 ODIs for South Africa. You were the first South African to take 100 catches. You're here to set the scene for SEN. South Africa, number two seed in the world when it comes to the Test Championship. Taking on Australia, number one. How excited for this are you, Jonty? Yeah, I am really excited. I'm actually sitting at the ground right now together, having a look out, and I'm just grateful. Or the fact that there's a there's a roller sort of uh, pressing the grass up and down the middle and there's some lines because I can't tell the difference between where they are going to be playing <laughs> and the rest of the table. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, both teams have a great fast bowling attack, um, good variety. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that sort of hopping around as a batter in, at the crease in this, the first day of play anyway tomorrow. So a green top, you're telling us, Jonty, and as we know, the Australians have a fantastic record at the Gabba, but you bring, as you touched on, this fantastic pace attack. Just give us some names and maybe the fast bowlers or bowler who you think will really shine during this series. Yeah, 100%. I think both teams have a pretty well-equipped pace attack. I think we've, we've got a bit of variety as well. Um, Rabada, obviously, Kajiso Rabada is has been a, a top performer for South Africa. Not always, you know, on song. You, you kind of catch him, catch him hot and cold occasionally. But when he's hot, he is really hot. He's also um, Lungisan Ngidi, Lungisani Ngidi. He also opens the bowling. He's done really well for South Africa in the past. Marco Janssen, a really tall. He's got a wingspan of about six meters, I think. The man is, is, a, is a very tall fella, left arm, quick, gets lots of bounce. Um, not as fast as, as the other two. And then Enric Nokia, also really quick, 150 plus all the time. Um, so if we get the balance where we, we, we've been talking, this African team, the captain, Dean Older, he's been talking about, you know, toe-to-toe with the Australians, um, being aggressive and in their face. And I think to do that, they're going to have to go with a, a six batter, five bowler approach. But the only concern for me is that the South African batting lineup, not nearly as experienced or as prolific as their Aussie counterparts. Yeah, as you detail, you've got the bowlers to take 20 wickets in a test match. Just how concerned are you about the South African batting lineup in comparison with the Australians that, albeit against the West Indies, have been led magnificently by Manus Labushadni? Yeah. Can we have him back for a few weeks? <laughs> Can we have the South African boy back? Um, I, know, I, know he was t- I know he was 10 when he, when he 
when he left the country. But it'd be nice to have him batting, you know, but he, he's been a fantastic form. And that is the one thing, you know, he's, he's an out-and-out first-class test cricketer. Um, and a lot of our players jump between Dean Elgar is the only batter that we've got, really, that just plays first-class cricket and, and doesn't get uh, picked in any of the T20 leagues around the world. So, you know, I think Marnus has been in, in great form. And, and you say just against the West Indies, I mean, it's still, you to score double hundreds like that, back it up with a hundred and then another, it's just incredible form that he's been in. So, you know, that sort of, that sort of mindset to, to go, it doesn't matter who you're facing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the opinion that if you score double hundred, you've played good cricket. So from that perspective, you know, if, if the two bowling teams are evenly matched, um, or two bowling units, I think the South Africa will be looking desperately towards the captain, leading by example. He's quite a gritty character. But if he gets inserted on day one, he loses a toss. And if he has to, well, I don't know what Aussies will do, but if he has to bat first on this wicket and he does get out early, um, that's the only concern for South Africa because he is somebody who, who knows how to dig in and bat long. Temba Bavuma as well, who's come back from injury and kind of um, an off T20, so emotionally not as, and when you tour Australia, you know, you've got to be on top of your own game. He hasn't spent a lot of time at the crease, Temba Bavuma, but it's been our, our, our most prolific uh, red ball cricketer batting wise in the last two years. So South Africa hoping the likes of Bavuma and Elgo, the two who are gutted out. And we've got some quite, you know, attacking players in Carl Varain, the wicketkeeper batter, um, Rusty Pandadusen, and um, also Tinas Dubrain, who are sort of middle order batters who are more aggressive in their stroke play. They certainly keep the scoreboard ticking, but they do give you an opportunity to get them out. Hey, John, do you just pronounce the surname of Marnus and got caught in no man's land between how it's said in Australia? You better tell <laughs> listeners how it was said back in South Africa. I heard that. No, no, no. I, I love that. But South Africa. Exactly. I, I love Marnus Labashani because it means he, he's got a combat Labashain. I mean, because then he's playing for Australia. But when he's Marnus Labashani, <laughs> then he's, he's all us, that's for sure. Now, Jonty. I was, I was new to cricket at about the time when you were just sort of reigning supreme. And, you know, everyone wants to bowl. Everyone wants to bat or wicket keep. But you were the first, in my eyes anyway, I'm sure there may have been, or there may not have been, someone before you, but you made fielding sexy. We, we, our board lit up for an hour about people yeah. had <laughs> niche excellence. And uh, it was all on the back of your fielding abilities. You don't just have that naturally. I mean, part of it would be naturally, but... What, why were you so good and elite and above the pack when it came to the greater game of fielding, Jonty? Um, well, thank you. I mean, it was, it's, it's quite a compliment. But I think at a, for a long time, it was easy to be the number one fielder in the world because other than Dean Jones, there was nobody else really running around the field and putting in an effort. My guys would put a boot out. So to stand out wasn't that difficult. But I, I think... You know, growing up in South Africa, very similar to Australia, very outdoor, very sports and multi-sports, you know, background. Um, I do a lot of work in India and it's just cricket. Here in Oz and also in, in, in SA, that's Adelaide. Um, it's South Africa. We, you know, winters are dominated by rugby, by, by hockey, by, by soccer. Um, and then summer, yeah, you've got cricket and athletics and tennis. So I was a, a multi-sport playing youngster. And I think my fielding prowess was... First and foremost, because I actually loved fielding. I had all this ridiculous energy. And it was the, the best way for me to spend 90 overs in a day in test cricket was to run around <laughs> and, and throw myself at anything and everything. So a couple of things that were advantageous to me. I had very low center of gravity. Basically, I'm a short arm. 
Um, so to dive right. around wasn't that difficult to bounce back up. You know, we got some. We had some in our team: uh, Brian McMillan, Alan Donald, Farney De Villiers. They certainly weren't going to throw themselves around the outfield <laughs> because they had jobs to do as bowlers. So many things, many things that were in my favour: the multi-sport, the the love, but most importantly, the love for fielding. I just love being on the on the park. Jonty, how close did you come to being a South African Olympian for hockey? Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting question because I often get I often get credited with playing hockey for South Africa, but never never got there. 1992, because South Africa wasn't a democracy when we got invited to the Cricket World Cup in 1992. We only became a democracy in 1994. But what the cricket board had done in South Africa was a join. Um, we had obviously through apartheid, the minority apartheid regime. We had white and non-white sporting bodies, and Dr. Ali Bacher was the CEO of the top administrator for cricket in South Africa, and he saw change taking place. Uh, the ANC were releasing, or the government had unbanned the ANC, released Nelson Mandela, and he united the cricket board, whereas all the other sporting codes were still two bodies. So what happened after that 92 World Cup, the South African Hockey Association were hoping for a late invite to the Barcelona Olympics. But let's face it, achieving just getting to the Olympics is a journey in itself. So nobody's getting a late invite, that's for sure. So that was 92 out the way. And then 1996 Atlanta. Um, a lot of my mates were playing in the 96 Atlanta and I just retired from state hockey because I was still playing you know, four or five months of the year in the winter in South Africa. I was still playing state hockey. So the selectors had said to me, if I come and give them two weeks of trial, they'll take me to Atlanta. But I, I pulled a hamstring a week before the trial, so um, playing a cricket match. So I was then not even considered because I had to obviously go and, and at least put in a performance before selection. So I came close twice, but never, never, never got there. John D, can you take us back to 1992? And you mentioned that you're just back into the picture and uh, this great battle with Australia. You make your debut, and it's an iconic World Cup. For us as Australians, we love it. Lance Klusner was going berserk that World Cup. And we know the Australian side of story for this particular World Cup. But can you take us into what happened with South Africa and how close you guys went? It would have been a great story had you, you just get back accepted back into the World Cup to win that, how big it would have been for the country. But take us through to some of the events that happened in the lead up to that particular tournament. Sure, it was, I mean, as a South African team, we were in the first time we had any international experience. We'd obviously had rebel tours organized throughout um, the years of apartheid and sporting sanctions. But the first official tour South Africa went on was September, October of 1991. So just prior to the the Cricket World Cup, which was in, what, January, February in Australia and New Zealand. But I didn't go on that tour. They had, because they, they, they literally, September, same as Australia, the, the season hadn't yet started. So they chose all these old experienced men in the team to go to, um, to go to India in September and October of 19. And then Kepler Vessels had played in Australia as an Australian. He had immigrated with his family to Australia, an Australian. And uh, he then came back to South Africa, played in, in, in the test series, I mean, that one day series, and then was named captain for the 1992 World Cup. And as an Australian, and in those days, all the cricket grounds, you know, you didn't have the, the rope, the boundary rope with the advertising on. 
the, the boundary was basically either a concrete fence or a wooden fence or, you know, here there was at the Gabba, there was a dog track uh, around the outside. So, you, you know, it was, Kepler knew that the grounds were really big and he wanted younger, faster players, at least one or two of them in his team. So Hansi Cronier and myself were two younger, faster, fitter boys, basically, who were 22, who got selected by Kepler Vessels because what he believed we could add. I mean, South Africans were surprised that I was picked in the team. I mean, they were all going, Jonty who? Um, and it hadn't <laughs> been for, I mean, a fantastic photograph taken taken by a local guy here, Jim, Jim Fenwick, who was a, a local photographer. I mean, he literally launched my career. Him and Inzema Mulhak's really bad running between the wickets. So I have very <laughs> fond memories of playing at the Gabba, but I'm also very grateful to Jim Fenwick, the, the photographer on the day, who, who took that iconic picture of me flattening wow. the stumps. Jaunty, we'll come back to Kepler in a moment because I know Joel's got a question regarding the trophy that these two Test Nations will play for in coming weeks, but I want to jump to the Sydney Cricket Ground in 1994. Yeah. You beat the Aussies a couple of times and you scored a half century in both of those Test victories, but in 94 at Sydney, you batted first, the South Africans scored 169, Australia then 292, so well in front. In the second innings, your 76 helped South Africa to 239. Not enough, it seemed, because Australia needed only 117 for victory. Take us back to that famous final day at the SCG when the White Lightning, Alan Donald and Fanny de Villiers cut loose. Have you had a bigger post-match celebration than that test win in Sydney? <laughs> what goes on tour and definitely in the change room stays on tour and definitely in the change room. But we, we had a, it was interesting because it was, it was probably the afternoon of day four where it started for us. Um, and not because I got 70 odd not out. I was batting with Alan Donald, who's not known for scoring a lot of runs, but he stuck around with me. We, we put on a 30 run partnership. Shane Warne had ripped through us in both, in both innings as we just were still trying to work out the flipper. Um, not just Daryl Cullinan, but the rest <laughs> of us too. And it was the afternoon, I think. The, the last session of play, I think Australia were 50 for one only and, and only needing, as you said, 117 runs to win. So we then, uh, David Boone clipped a leg stump half volley straight into Gary Kirsten's chest at short square leg. And um, Farid Villiers, that was one of his wickets. And then the night watchman was Tim May. He got sent in and he got cleaned over as well. And then Ian Healy came to bat and he also got knocked over. So we went, you know, having Australia were at 50 for one, looking very comfortable, literally 15 minutes before the close of play. We ended the day at 50 for four. But stumps were then called and Alan Border was the next bad end, batting number six for Australia. And that we had spoken, Kepler, we had a long chat at the end of day four. And Kepler just said, guys, the key, because he's obviously spent, he knows AB really well. They, you know, both from Queensland, spent a lot of cricket with them. The key for us tomorrow is Alan Border. And literally, Alan Donald in his first over just, I think, flicked the pad and flicked the stump. Now, Johnny, this is the hour with Johnny Rhodes. I hope you know. No, I'm only joking, mate. It's not the hour with Johnny Rhodes. But we're having so much fun speaking to you. We will wrap it up because we've taken you for so long. But I do want to read this one out. And I've got one more question as well, and we'll let you go. Uh, this one comes from the Brisbane Eel. He says, uh, Johnny Rhodes, what a guest. He says he has such a love for India. His youngest child is named India. And he goes on to say that what made Jonty fall in love with a country that was once an adversary, says Brisbane Eel. How would you answer that, Jonty? 
Yeah, it, it just, that, have you got time for me to answer the question? As you've noticed, I do talk a lot. Uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> we've got is as that much time I, you as know, you've got. My, my wife's... Yeah. <laughs> my my wife's actually a yoga teacher. I mean, we we both South Africans. We've we've had two born in India because it would coincided with sort of three months of the IPL. So uh, my wife is a yoga teacher. For her, it was you know quite a, a spiritual birthing experience um, from that point of view. And for me, it was was more a case of um, you know I've seen what Tendulkar's son has been through. I've seen what uh, Sanu Gavaskar's son has been through. As what, in, in, as in pressure to follow in the father's footsteps, and, and not that my daughter, although she could, she could easily play cricket for, you know, a country and, and represent a country as as a female cricket player. But for then, for me, it was more a case of India every day surprises you, guys. You have no idea. I mean, if you have not been to India, it either overwhelms you or just it just blows you away because there are just so many people. I mean, literally in your face and in your space the entire time. So. Every day, something new happens. So, you, you know, you kind of learned as, as, as international sportsmen and women, you, that carpe diem, seize the day. And, and the one thing about India, it really tests your patience um, in everything. Because so for me, it was a case of just embrace the day. So whatever I saw, whatever I encountered, I would just embrace it. And, and that was sort of the reason behind me wanting to call India, India, my daughter, because I would embrace, this is her journey I'm not worried about, you know, she has to follow anything or any plan that I have for her. It's her journey and every day I will embrace whatever she decides on. So that that was that was kind of my reasoning behind wanting to call India India. And as I said, from my wife's point of view, it was a way more spiritual. But um, you know, I'm just kind of a face a face value kind of guy. What you see is what you get. Not too deep. Well, Jaunty, if you want to laugh one day, check out YouTube. There's a quiz, a radio quiz. And uh, the quiz get hijacked by a stack of youngsters who ring up for the quiz and every single answer is India. It's one of the funniest radio clips you'll see. So if you want a bit of a laugh there, but the players you play with, Kepler Vessels, Alan Donald, oh, well. Peter Kirsten, Brian McMillan, Hansi Cronier, other iconic South Africans, Gary Kirsten, Yax Callis, Sean Pollock, Lance, the list just goes on. Paul Adams, Fani de Villiers, yeah. Hashlam Amla, it goes on, but... We will hear your dulcet tones on SEM. We're grateful for that. But the final question before we let you go, and we have kept you for a long time. Australia have just retained the Frank Worrell Trophy between Australia and the West Indies. Australia, prepare for South Africa. We still don't have a named trophy. Cricket Australia and Cricket South Africa were open to suggestions way back in 2016. Do you have a firm, strong view, Jonty, before we let you go, as to what we should be playing for ahead of this big, big series? I don't. You know, it's interesting because I've, I've been following the, the conversation on social media and it was interesting that, that Kepler Vessels is the one guy that's played um, for, for both countries but you and, and also at a really important time for South Africa. You know, you, you've, 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 I, I'm, I'm yet to come up with... I know for me, my suggestion was from a South African point of view was Dr. Ali Bakha who was a South African captain and it wasn't just about his cricket performance because that was obviously pre-democracy during the days of apartheid, but it was more his administration. I mean, I really believe that, I, I know I came to the World Cup in 92 because of Dr. Bacher. Um, he was a fantastic cricket player. He had a great results against Australia, um, but if, an administrator bar, you know, bar none in South Africa. But I, I, I don't know, from a player point of view, um, Kepler Vessels, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense having the Kepler Vessels somebody trophy, but I don't know who to include in that. Now, 
I like your suggestion there, and uh, we can marry it up with an Australian equivalent. I think I think you're on a winner, Jonty, as you are, you'll yep. be a winner for the SEN's coverage. Mate, we have had a wonderful time going down memory lane. Matty and I and the greater team of the SEN, very grateful to have you, Johnny Rhodes. Thank you very much, and thanks for joining the run home with Joel and Fletch. Cool. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Matty. See you guys. Oh, talk to you soon. Well,